you give Gabe Zamora a wonderful round of applause. Come on, Mansfield campus. Y'all can clap real loud, too. Online guys. Come on, Gabe. Love you, bro. I love you. Come on, man. Are you excited to be in church? Say yes. Are you excited that it's December? Say yes. Can you believe we've made it through this almost two years? Say yes. Are you excited to just celebrate some holidays? Say yes one more time. If you feel manipulated by me keeping saying to tell you to say yes, say yes. Mansfield, I love you. Uh, if, you're, if you're excited to be in the house, say yes. If you're online, comment in the, in the uh, comment section. If you're online, just put a bunch of emojis with some praise hands and we can get going. But it is my honor and privilege uh, to be here today. I, I just, uh, you know this. And, and so uh, this might just be perfunctory to you, but for me it is a privilege. Um, pastors Adam and Jamie McCain, Dominique and I have followed y'all since y'all were in youth ministry. And then got to be under your leadership at Christ for the Nations as y'all were the directors. And uh, I, it, in full disclosure, we've copy and pasted an empowerment style of leadership, small group based discipleship. We weren't trying to run programs, we were trying to build people because of you. And so it's, uh, I feel so honored and privileged to be here. Amen. <laughs> Truly, uh, I, I live with me, so I'm unimpressed. But for some reason, God uses, uh, has allowed me and Dominique to travel the world and see a lot of different places. And, and legitimately, you have two of the best leaders in the world. In the world. That's without question. Amen. Okay. Without question, you have one of the, the two of the greatest leaders in the world right here at Hill City. Do you believe that? Say yes. Can we pray? Because you got a facts talking Mexican who can get off on some tangents and we need to hear about Jesus. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you, God. I submit myself to you. I pray that you'd make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. God, I pray that today we would grow in the knowledge and revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you would do something significant with this moment. I'd ask that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we'd be doers. We'd prepare our hearts to be good soil. In Jesus' name, Hill City said. Amen, amen. amen. I love Christmas. Like, um, actually, hold on. I got my pretty wife of 12 years sitting on the front row. Amen. We just wait for everybody. She, um, I, I won't embarrass you and, and, and talk about sweet nothings and everything like some preachers do on stage. Because for those of you who are young in the, in the, uh, the room, I want you to know that marriage has to go beyond vanity. And she's my best friend and the greatest gift God ever gave to me. And um, so for 12 years, uh, we, we've built a beautiful family. My kids are in the back. I got three. We had three in under four years. That's what mercy did for me. <laughs> they are now six, four, and two. And in a few short months, they'll be six, five, and three. Hallelujah. And, um, and so uh, we're having a ton of fun. Our home is crazy town, USA. There is more energy there than Six Flags. I, I guarantee it. And so we're, we're having a ton of fun. And um, yeah. Amen. I love Christmas. Like, we're the type of family, like, we put up the Christmas tree November 1st. I know, Pastor Adam. I know that's a little bit, that's a little rough. We waited for the outside Christmas lights until 
December, but we had Christmas trees up in November. I just figure it's such a merry season. Why only give it 25 days? So we, 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 we put up stuff in the beginning of November. But there are a bunch of just commonalities that kind of come with this holiday season. Much of it become, can become familiar. Have you ever noticed that? It becomes the retail juggernaut that is the holiday season. Most of us, we start off in this season with the wonder and excitement of what presents are we going to receive. It then switches over to does this fit in the budget and what presents are we going to give. It's called adulting. Some young adults don't know that yet. You're getting there. And so, you know, and it just takes on this trend, but there's some familiarities. I was the kid that I loved to actually wait to open up my present. My wife is the baby in her family, so she's privileged and wants to open the presents early. She doesn't want to wait. I'm the oldest in my family, so I'm responsible. Amen. And so I want to open the presents on the day it's supposed to be open. But I am an inspector gadget. I'm sitting there, and I'm checking out what, what the presents are. And you just kind of know, right? You're like, you feel that one present. You're like, I've been asking for a BB gun all year. And this thing is yay big, it's, and it's kind of heavy. And, and you're kind of you're shaking it, and you're trying to figure out what's inside. And, and you're, you're looking at the wrapping because the wrapping says a lot. And what, 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 is, what, what present do I think this is? But every year I got this one present that was soft. It was malleable. I would move it around. And every year it said from Grandma Duran to Gabriel. And it was soft and malleable. And every year I opened it from the time of my birth until she went on to be with Jesus. She lived until she was 98 years old. I got this same gift. It was very familiar. I knew exactly by the packaging. Felt it. It was malleable. Said from Grandma Duran. I knew it was going to be white Hanes underwear. <laughs> and it wasn't just any kind of underwear. It wasn't like some swagged out briefs or anything like that. It was white Hanes tidy whitey underwear now i have two little boys that wear underwear i can't i for the life of me cannot ascertain why you would ever give any type of white undergarment to any adolescent kid say amen all the parents that makes no God-given sense, right? But every year, this, but there's familiarities with the season. And I just knew that's what I was going to get from Grandma Duran. And there's familiarities with this season. Maybe I want to open up with our kind of Christmas story in this, in this uh, talk. If, you would, if you're taking notes and you're ten times more likely to go to heaven, statistics show if you're taking notes. <laughs> but the choice is yours. This, this, this sermon is called Unwrapped. And I want us to unwrap the story of Jesus, the birth narrative, the theological word for uh, incarnation, the Jesus coming to earth, that we could unwrap that. Now, there are familiarities with that. You can maybe uh, assume that I'm going to come from Matthew 1 and 2 and maybe start with the genealogy and then come into the birth narratives and maybe the prophetic utterance of Simeon. Or maybe we go from Luke chapter 2 and we unto us a child is born and we begin to see shepherds heralding this message. Or, or maybe you might think I might quote from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and on the government shall rest his soldiers, on shoulders to which there is no one, he shall be called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But I kind of want to back out from there and see that in the wrapping, God is saying so much. It has been said, the devil's in the details, but I believe God is in the details. And in the details of the birth narrative, I want us to find that God is saying so much. Now, there are what we call the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, 
and Luke. They have many similarities between the two. In Matthew, he's covering the genealogy and the birth narrative. In Mark, he comes right blazing storm into declaring John the Baptist, declaring this is, I'm a voice in the wilderness preparing, and goes right into the temptation. You come to the book of Luke, and he comes into the birth narrative. But John, the fourth gospel, is not so much concerned with the birth narrative as he is more concerned with proving the deity of Jesus Christ. That he is almighty God. And so there's seven distinct I am statements in the book of John. You'll find in Luke in John 6.35 that he says, I am the bread of life. Say bread. bread. You'll see in John uh, 8.12 he says that I am the light of the world. In John 10.7 he says, I am the door to the sheep. In John 10.12 I am the good shepherd. In John 11:25, I am the resurrection and the life. And then in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, 1, I am the vine. Seven distinct I am statements in the book of John. Now, I realized something really quickly about a way the, a present is wrapped. Dominique would get invited to a bachelorette party, and they would have fun and do whatever they do there. I've never been to one. And I would get invited to this, like, we called them, like, tool parties for the, for the groom-to-be. You ever been to a tool party? Any of you just raise your hand. Me, the only one? Okay, it's like this millennial thing. Let me update you. It's a, I guess it's like where the groom has this party where we're going to buy him tools or something for his house or whatever. So I would just go to Home Depot and buy a tool and put it in a Home Depot bag, take the receipt out, and just give it to him. <laughs> then I got married. And this young lady's like, that is not how you give a present. You need to put it in the bag with the fluffy paper that matches the bag. With a handwritten note that matches the thematic pattern of the bag. Because Gabriel, the way a present is wrapped, says so much about the gift giver. And the thoughtfulness, the girls are saying yes, (laughs) says so much about the giver and that you intentionally thought about the recipient. It says so much. And I just want to show you that in the wrapping of the birth narrative, we will find seven distinct I am statements. So before you even open the present of Jesus, he's already declaring, I am. Say, I am. As we unwrap this, let's go first to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And then Luke chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. You know why I feel so comfortable here? Because you, I'm fast talking, so I have one mouth. You have two ears. But you receive from a pastor who talks just as fast, if not faster than me. <laughs> So I don't feel like I have to woosaw and slow down. I can just be myself. You ready? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until she was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Flip over with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, where it is on the screen. 
And it says this in Luke chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, it reads. Um, and this was the first census taken with Quirinius uh, was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly, uh, snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Seven distinct I am statements all seen in the birth narrative. In John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. You see that even in the entrance of Jesus onto the human narrative and the drama that is called life, he enters into a town called Bethlehem. Now, if you translate it from the original languages, it means house of bread. So even in his entrance, he's already declaring who he is before he ever utters a word. He's saying, I am the bread of life coming to the town that is called the house of bread. Then you move on to John chapter 8 verse 12 he says I am the light of the world it was it not a star by night that pointed and signed over his manger that said I am the light of the world already it was the light that led shepherds to him it was the light that led wise men to him it was the light of the world before he ever declares or wonders the miracles or performs anything in his birth in the wrapping he's already declaring who he is isn't it interesting that if you move from Exodus 3. And Moses says, who do you say that I, who do you, who, who do I tell them that sent me? He tells them, say I am sent you. Say I am sent you. So even in his showing up, even in his birth, even in the, a moment where there is no uh, semantics or words being uttered, he's already saying, I am the light of the world, shown by the star of night over. And then he says in John chapter 10 verse 7, I am the door to the sheep. Isn't it interesting that every door was closed to him except the one to the stable? Every door was closed in Bethlehem. Every inn was full. Every Airbnb was booked. And he, the door to the manger was open because even in his birth narrative, he's saying, I am the door. Where others have been closed, I am always open. Where others have shut on you, I am the door to the sheepfold. I am the door to the sheep. And then you see in John chapter 10, Verse 12, he says, I am the good shepherd. And interesting that it wasn't the academics, it wasn't the Pharisees, it wasn't those with a great uh, 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 prestige that heralded the message that night that a Savior had come. It was shepherds. Now, they weren't just tradesmen, they were ones without expertise. So a shepherd was not like electrician, he was the laborer. It wasn't a plumber, it was the laborer. So these are trades, these are laborers, not even necessarily tradesmen. They are the lowest of the low in terms of professions in ancient antiquity. Yet Jesus declares something. He says, I want to be associated with, I will self-identify with their vocation that I am a carer of those who are without a shepherd. I am a good shepherd, so I will identify with shepherds that night. Does that sound good? Say yes. John eleven twenty five. he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' birth, he's already defined the plot to kill him by Herod. 
He's already uh, uh, getting away from death's assignment on his life that was declaring that two and younger would be murdered, that they would be, their life would be snuffed out, that it would, it would be taken away. Yet here he is as a refugee going into Bethlehem, fleeing this area, and he's already defying in his birth the assignment of death, declaring, I am the resurrection in the life, in just the feebleness of an infant with no word ever uttered i'm the resurrection and the life and then you move to john 14 6 says i am the i am the way the truth and the life was it not wise men that found their way to him was it not wise men that discovered the truth about him was it not wise men that defied the assignment of herod on his life again in declaring he was the life in the, in the pursuit of the wise men towards Jesus that he is already declaring, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Even in his birth, he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wise men found their way to him. They discovered the truth about him, and they defied Herod's assignment of death on him to declare he was the life. And then in John 15, 1, John says this. Jesus says this, I am the vine. Say vine. I am the vine. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but if you go to Micah chapter 5, I believe his first two says that he was born in Bethlehem Ephrathah. So what that means is he wasn't just born in like Cedar Hill. He was born to the people of Cedar Hill, Ephrathah. So he wasn't just born in Texas. He was born to the country and people of Texas, right? (laughs) Listen, I, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. Say amen. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to boot, scoot, and boogie. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Put a six-shooter on, ride my pony on a cattle drive. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be Texan. Amen? So, <laughs> Bethlehem Ephrathah. So, he's saying, I'm not just born in Bethlehem. I'm born to the, in, amongst the people of, of there. And Ephrathah means fruitful. So I am the vine. And even in his birth, he's saying, I am fruitful. I am the vine. I am the one from which sustenance comes, fruitfulness comes. Before Jesus ever enters, the, the, uh, utters a word, the rapping tells us about the intentionality of God. You know how a giver thought about you when you opened that present and how intentionally that wrapping is put together. The wrapping of the birth tells us very clearly who God is. He says, I am. I am with you. I have thought about you. I am not unaware of you. I am not. Listen, 2020 and 2021 did not catch Jesus by surprise. I am knows and he is able to be I am for every situation in this season do you believe that say yes in the birth narrative he says I am and we unwrap in this season before we go and buy presents can we see the present that is Jesus I am in how he even comes to us the intentionality of God I'm so glad I have a good father who thought about the details which leads me to the application that the details of my life are not overlooked 
They are not, they are not just something that is casted to the side. But God cares and is aware and is intentional about the details of my life. I am your God, my king, your king. Emmanuel says, I am with you. I know that this season can mark the difficulty for many. Is it not true that suicide and depression is on the rise during the holiday season? And some of us have discovered so much profound loss, and it's always evident during the holiday seasons. But as Jesus enters into the world, he's saying, I am in this situation. I know you have lost, but I am is here. God, I need you to be a comfort and a peace. I am is here. He is not unaware of our situation in this holiday season as we unwrap who he is. Can we be comforted with a God who's never overlooked any detail ever? And he's not going to start now. And he's not going to start now. I, I know that many times uh, Christmas can just, it just, it, it's like that. Listen, for 26 years of my life, I spent Christmas without my father. My father served a 26-year federal prison sentence. He was in prison my whole life. He never saw me run, uh, run a football. He never saw me shoot a basketball. He never saw me throw a baseball. He's never saw me wrestle in a match. He didn't see me date. He didn't see me graduate high school. He didn't see me marry my wife. He didn't see the birth of my chief. three children. He missed everything. My mom struggled with, with a drug addiction that went from crack cocaine to crystal meth and was hooked on drugs uh, the, the majority of my later teen year life. And, and, and so the holidays were rough because guess what? I didn't get Christmas presents after a certain age under the Christmas tree. I didn't get a present until income tax season came. Hallelujah. Income tax season. In- I am is here. Unwrapped. I didn't get Christmas presents until February when tax season came. Somebody say amen for tax season. Everyone's like, I'm waiting for that 70-inch TV. I'm waiting for that tax season. You better believe right now, right now, right here, right here, right now. And my mom would buy us a present usually in February or March when her tax check came back because she didn't have money during the holidays. This season, in this last year and a half, me and Dominique have lost a sister. We've lost her mother, my, my mother in love. Suddenly, profound pain. I get it. But I want to say something about the birth of Jesus. That day, hope entered the earth. The person of hope. He said, hey, shut up. And I really believe that hope is, the, is really the forgotten virtue of the three virtues of the Christian walk. Faith, hope. And love. We write volumes on faith for good reason. We love to have faith in a future that is not here yet. We understand at least ideologically about love until we have a disagreement. Glory. Amen. Bless God. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving dinner was awkward. But we, we, right? The world's like, we believe in love. And I'm like, do you know what that means? But we at least understand ideologically about love. But I sometimes feel like hope is the forgotten middle child of the three Christian virtues. But that day 
in a manger, in the mess, already saying so much. He came to a small and dirty place, which tells us very clearly that small is big if God is in it. Dirty is clean if God sanctifies it. And he showed up in that moment and in that place saying, hope is on the scene. I am has showed up. You can be hopeful in the present and still have faith for a future because I am is not the, just the God of your future or the reconciler of your past, but he is the hope and present able I am in this moment, in this day, in this December of 2021. Do you believe that? Say yes. Do you believe that? Say yes. Hope entered the world that day. Hope entered that dirty little manger in a world that says, man, I got to be strong. A king, our king, decided to enter it weak. So counterintuitive to the ways of the world. He says, I am the bread of life. Listen, many are the pursuits of man. You can try to ascertain liquidatable assets, invest into a 401k, plan for your kid's college tuition, try to buy your first home, get a raise at your first job, graduate from college, and you can think that in those moments you will find fulfillment and you'll find sustenance for your soul. But many are the pursuits of man, but they only find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus because he is the bread. He is the able one. He is the only one by which humanity has come to feast on he is the bread of life i am the light of the world there is no one that is any match for sin but god is such a faithful father that he will leave no stone unturned in your life as he eradicates darkness and shines his light into you because it's said of him in john 1 5 that he is the light from which the darkness could not comprehend it he is the light of the world do you believe that? Say yes. I am the door to the sheep. You know, salvation is an impossibility. Are you believing for your loved ones in this season? Salvation is an impossibility for me and you. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says this in response to Peter asking, well, then who can be saved? He says, well, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. We quote that as an axiomatic principle to apply to all things, that all things are possible. God, Jesus is specifically saying that about salvation. So listen, this is what you do. You present Jesus. He is the door to the sheep. He's the one who keeps the door open. He's the one who saves our loved ones. He's the one that reconciles them. He's the one that cares for them. Amen? I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the good. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'll fear no evil for he is with me. He's a good shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They let me know he's there all the time. He's never going to leave. He's never going to wait. I am the resurrection and the life. It lets us know that those of us have lost loved ones, that it was not a terminal moment. It was not a stopping of existing. It was a continuum. And we are stepping into one other existence but it does not mean that that's the end of the story he is the resurrection and the life and all it was was a continuum because we do not hope or grieve like those without a savior we serve the resurrection and the life amen i am the way the truth and the life in a culture 
that tries to hold up this pluralistic, relativistic ideology under the banner of human dignity, saying all opinions matter and, and makes it look like all itself implodes on itself because the only one who is truly inclusive of all people is Jesus Christ, but he is unapologetically exclusive. He's the way. He's not the Republican way. He's not the Democratic way. He's not the liberal way. He's not the progressive way. He's not the conservative way. He's not the Black Lives Matter way. He's not the Blue Lives Matter way. Hello, he's the way. And they all find their truth in him. He is the truth. Do you, truth has a definitive answer. His name is Jesus. Exclusively him. He is the life. He is the life. Where, where are we going to find life except in Jesus? As we unwrap the birth narrative, we find that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. This season marks a moment for, especially for people like me that are type A, I want to write New Year's goals or resolutions, and they just make me feel good. Even if I don't fulfill them, it makes me feel better. I tell Dominique, we'll, we'll be going through something, something stressful, I'm like, we just need, we need to make a system. And she's like, I don't care about your system. We just need to vacuum the room. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. I need, I need a system. I, I vacuum on Mondays at 2 and on Wednesdays at 6 and on Friday. Like, I need a system. In my, in my mind, systems create, solve everything. Like somewhere along the line, I was raised in American culture. that told me that I could do anything I put my mind to. And told me, if I work hard, you can produce. But I live in a kingdom that says, I can't do anything. I can do nothing without him. We would all live with much more peace in 2022 if we knew he was the vine from which all production happened. That he would be the one that produces goals and helps accomplish resolutions. I'm all for write it down. Make it plain. Right? Habakkuk teaches us that. I, I'm not saying be irresponsible. But I am saying you are not the answer in and of yourself. He is the vine. From which he makes us fruitful. Does that make sense? Say yes. As we unwrap Christmas, I want us to walk away with, I am with Jesus. That for every pain, for every triumph, we can be grateful that he's made us fruitful in 2021. We can be grateful that he's the bread of life where we've been hurting and hungry. He's the God who comes into the mess of a manger because he's never been afraid of yours. He's never been afraid to come into the small and dirty place. That is who our King Jesus is. Amen? I, I started off preaching to stuffed animals when I was five years old. My mom had went to a Bible study and had given her life to Jesus. And she, it was an all-women's Bible study. That's why I love small groups. And, and the, the lady that was facilitating it, they were taking a little long. She brought me in. She began to explain Jesus in a way that I could understand. I gave my life to Jesus at five years old. Now, in context, the first time I saw someone get shot, I was four years old. There's not a believer in my family, but I began to preach to stuffed animals. And I would tell my family, I'm going to preach. And I would, I would watch these TV preachers on TBN. I would tell my family, I'm going to be a preacher. 
And they're like, Calmate, mijito. There's no preachers in our family. There's not even, you know. But I can tell you that I am was with that five-year-old little boy. And I am was with me in that federal courtroom when I watched my dad be sentenced to 22 flat years in prison. He had already served four before that, so it was 26 in total, but that last sentence was 22 straight years. Here's how redemptive our Savior is. When I think of the memory of that federal courtroom, I feel no pain. I actually feel this weird sense of comfort as if he was sitting in the room with me. Because he was. I am. I am was with me when they stuck a knife in my hand when I was 10 years old and were teaching me how to stab somebody. I am was with me. He was with me when I walked up to the front of a youth camp. And gave my life to Jesus again. He was with me as I would write on three by five cards and memorize scripture like flashcards and go back to the room. And I didn't know proper hermeneutics or exegesis and wasn't by any stretch of the imagination uh, uh, someone who would understand the complexities of this ancient book that we call the Bible. But I was falling in love with I am. And I would just memorize as a teenager, just walking to school, sharing with everybody. I don't have a, there's so much that goes on in our life. And all I can tell you is this, that I can look back at every experience when I got married and didn't know how to be a husband. I could sit here up here with real humility and say, we have a functional, beautiful marriage. I am. And I, I think we're okay parents. I am. And I've never seen it done right. Not in an example. So many things. Dominique and I are the first to ever buy a home in our entire family, in my family, ever. First, ever. Talk about generational curses being broken. I've never known a family member to hold a mortgage note. And I'll be honest with you with this. This December, we enter into the first season without mom. And I'm declaring, I am is with us in this season. Amen. We stand to your feet. Hey everybody, wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it, consider it, pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we wanna know, we wanna know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place, Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.